From Dragon 360, this is Digital Banter, a podcast focused on modern marketing tactics and driving real business results. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Digital Banter. As always, you have myself, Andy Grohler, along with James Kravick joining you today. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are talking about a topic that is going to be coming uh, very near and dear to everyone's hearts very shortly, how to prioritize the implementation of your 2023 marketing plan. Now, today's topic actually was the brainchild and inspiration from a post that, James, I think you saw on LinkedIn the other day uh, about somebody saying strategy is overrated and doing stuff is underrated. So you want to talk a little bit about that and kind of help set the stage for today's conversation? Yeah, for sure. I think one of the, so to put this in perspective a little bit, um, I think most of Q4, we spend a ton of time putting together our 2023 plan. And I feel like one of the things that's a struggle for all marketers is that we get to 2023 and, or whatever the next following year is, and the stuff like never gets started, right? Because there's a lot of balancing strategy versus execution and coming from agency side, at least like from, for me in particular, sometimes I feel like we'd spend way too much time on the strategy, striving for perfection, trying to get all of our ducks in a row. When the reality is in order for us to, to drive results, we need to do stuff. Right. Um, and you know, I certainly understand that it is a, a difficult balance, but you know, the big thing is that organizations struggle struggle to get going because they, they they struggle with that balance. It comes from you know leadership being kind of fuzzy with budgets and also being like over particular with what the strategy is. And you know, I think you can if you if you're able to figure out that balance and have a healthy a healthy balance of strategy and getting stuff done then you're going to set, be able to set yourself up for success. So, and kind of to with that to get things kicked off, Andy, what considerations do you think we should really focus on is when it comes to just getting things started? Yeah. I mean, the point of planning in Q4 or even at the tail end of Q3 is so that you can actually act on it at the beginning of the year. So that's where we're headed, right, in a few weeks when January 1 uh, comes into play. So I think a couple of considerations here when it comes to actually getting started, right? How do we get a quick win? How do we get out of the gate fast or as fast as we can? There's four or five major things that I think come into play here. Number one is clarity and alignment on targets, especially from leadership. Number two, revisiting data uh, from the tail end of 2022, especially if your 2023 planning was kind of on the earlier side of, of Q4, right? Things changed over the course of Q4 with the market, the economy. Um, it's important to kind of just revisit some of the data and make sure that the direction that you want to head in and the business is heading in is kind of still on par, or do you have to start out a little bit differently in Q1 of 23 based off of what was happening at the tail end of last year? Now, the big thing there is use the data for directional use only, do not die, derail or debilitate your 23 plan by focusing too much on the data. Another thing is identifying roles and responsibilities and clarifying those expectations of the various team members that are going to be helping to execute not just the marketing plan for 23, but the business plan. 
We're talking about the marketing team. We're talking about any external agencies, sales, customer success, right? Content, creative, all of those various stakeholders have a play and a place within the overarching business plan. And outlining those roles and responsibilities and expectations is so critical. So you have everybody working in tandem, in alignment, parallel workflows, all of those good things, but also making sure that we're avoiding people just sitting around waiting to be told what to do. That's the last thing we want. And then lastly, one of the key components here is a kickoff workshop. And a kickoff workshop inclusive of all of those stakeholders, sales, customer success, the marketing team, with breakouts that happen from there where each of those individual teams can make sure that they're aligned themselves, but also aligned to the top level goals and initiatives of the brand. The last thing I wanna say on that kickoff workshop is what I have found to be most successful is when you include leadership within that workshop. And the reason being is that there are going to be competing initiatives, competing targets, competing KPIs across the organization. By having leadership in the room, you hopefully get all of that out there in the open. They can then realize, hey, this isn't jiving with this. And you can get through to those individuals in the leadership, the C-suite, the board, uh, whomever's kind of uh, involved in that. And you can hopefully kind of resolve some of those competing interests and get everybody on the same page. Because at the end of the day, alignment is going to be so important for the success or not of your 23 marketing plan. I think the big reason you need alignment too is the everything struggles because you don't have the resources to get something started. And alignment on resources is probably the most important thing. Like, do we need approval on this? Whose needs creative? Like, do you need an external agency partner to get something done? Because everything looks good on paper until you have three departments competing for the same person's time. I mean, you see this with larger organizations like procurement or procurement, legal, like, okay, we have, everybody's ready to roll. Marketing's ready to move as fast as they can. Sales wants to roll, 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 roll. And then, you know, you have a piece of documentation that gets stuck up in procurement, legal or whatever. And, you know, I mean, I've seen those things delay, (laughs) delay projects months. And, you know, if you don't have that alignment right away, it definitely poses a big issue. Um, Andy, I got a, a question for you too, because this is something that, you know, my belief when it comes to planning too, is there's a lot of stuff that should just roll into the following year, right? Like you, there, there are core parts of the plan and strategy that, you know, you put all this time into a, a plan, but the reality is if you're innovating throughout the entire year, the plan shouldn't be like a, a reset of the entire wheel. So I guess my question is, like, how do you balance just rolling what should stay rolling and the hard reset that's sometimes needed? Like you mentioned a workshop, right? Do you really need to talk about the, the ongoing stuff that's already working in that workshop? Or should you really focus on, like, you know, the key new initiatives? No, that workshop has to focus on the larger brand initiatives, right? So are we talking about you know, growing revenue, obviously every initiative should be focused on revenue at the end of the day, but are there upcoming product launches in Q1? Are there brand initiatives that have to be happening, either a rebrand or other things like that? Uh, Those are the, the larger ticket items that I think that workshop has to address, but it also has to address not the operationalized channels, but rather what are the inputs, right? What are the inputs needed 
for you know any testing, any experimentation, any go-to-market launches or initiatives that have to happen as a result of you know scaling up those efforts that prove to be successful in 22 or that need to be pivoted from the impact of market and economic conditions that were happening in H2 of 2022. So no, you you need to stay out of the weeds in that workshop. You have to go forest from the trees. You have to look bigger picture because otherwise you're going to have a bunch of individuals that are just wasting their time in that room or on Zoom. Uh, and they're just going to get bored. They're going to lose interest. They're not going to be motivated to actually support and help everybody succeed. I think the, the thing that's tough really when it comes to balancing, keeping what's operationalized and trying something new is it takes a lot more time, effort, and focus to get a new program off the ground than it does to take something that's already going. And that's where, like I was talking about before with resources, you know, some people think that some of that operationalized stuff is just going to keep going when you're pulling from, like that's a, that's a full-time job to do the stuff that's already going and you're expecting those people to also be involved in some of these initiatives. And that's why I think sometimes it's good to try to separate that out in some way, shape or form. I think the last thing you want to do in that workshop too, is just walk into the room or walk into zoom and present like that is the last thing you want to do because you are going to demotivate. You're going to bore people. And yeah, great. It's something, it's great to have something in front of each individual on the screen, kind of outlining, here's what we're tasked with as an organization. Here's what we're trying to achieve, you know, getting some, some fun slides in there, I guess, for, for breaking up, uh, you know, creating some humor here and there, but like create the conversation, just like you would with your buyers, create the conversation, create the buy-in and then create the brainstorm that helps you kind of move from ideation, from, from strategy development that got approved into actually executing it. And I think that is one of the conflicts that we commonly see here is like, how do you balance strategy versus action? How do you balance effort versus impact? I mean, James, you've, you've been around the block long enough to see this be successful, but also kind of hold up a lot of initiatives. Do you want to talk to those a little bit? Yeah, I mean, strategy versus action is a huge one. I can't tell you how many meetings I've been part of that is to plan for another meeting. And it just seems like the larger organization is the more that happens. Ultimately, you, you got to have all this stuff figured out and be willing to have open conversation, like have a conversation with leadership rather than a presentation. I think that that like that's more of a relationship thing more than anything. Um, but, I, you know, I think when you're presenting a strategy for a year or talking through a full strategy, there is a lot of pressure that comes with that. And depending on who the executive is, there's that can, that can be a struggle. And I really think that relationship more than anything is what causes the struggle between strategy and action. Um, when it comes to like effort versus impact, again, I think this is another one where you have to have, joint buy-in into what is prioritized because people have pet projects that they spend way too much time on because of job security. I mean, I think we need to have like honest conversations of why some stuff gets prioritized versus not prioritized. A lot of times it has to do with like, honestly, staffing and employees and relationships more than it does actually understanding the prioritization of things. There's, 
the the final balance of like perfection and getting shit done. Again, this is like again the personalities of the employees. Some people are perfectionists, want everything perfect, and some people just want to get stuff out the door. And you just have you have to figure out how to how to balance it, how to balance the relationships within the organization, but also keep everybody motivated and working in the same same direction. And I think that that's you know from strat like that's with the strategy side it's a leadership thing effort versus impact that's kind of a senior not necessarily like c-suite level leadership but like directors vps like making sure that everybody's aligned on how are we going to get to where we're going and then kind of the last piece is more on the individuals of like what do i actually need to do to make this effective not you know the most perfect thing that's ever been designed ever and that goes back to kind of one of the points I was mentioning before regarding, you know, defining expectations and roles and responsibilities. I know it's it's kind of a small piece of this, but for example, creating a racy chart, you know, making sure everybody knows what they're expected to be doing and what part of the process they play into it with. Um, but also thinking through the lens of, you know, how do I delegate and create a culture of kind of accountability where you own that part. Maybe you have a, a say in these other pieces, but like this is the part that you own and you're, you know, being not necessarily measured in terms of job performance based off of that, because there could be all other factors that come into play. But I think giving that responsibility, that delegation and ownership is a huge way in which you help to create those relationships that you're talking about but also create that trust that has to go up and down the ladder uh, based off of, you know, what you were just describing with, with the relationships. Yeah. I think that like the one thing to be weary of there is documentation doesn't solve all issues. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned a racy chart, a racy chart only does something if people respect it and understand it, you know, it, it ha you have to balance the, level of what you said, ownership over something. What do you own? Are you going to take it and run with it? And are you going to trust that person to take it and run with it versus the level of documentation that's needed for that person to understand that they own it, right? Because I think that that's where sometimes things get lost is like, oh, I don't know how my piece fits into the larger strategy. So we need another six slides in our strategy presentation to make sure that that's understood. And that's like the I don't know. That's the thing that bothers me the most is when, you know, you just want somebody to take something and own it and run with it. And, you know, they're requiring all kinds of documentation just to like, do you want to take it and run with it and own with it? Or do you want me to do 80% of it for you? And then you do 20%. Like that's, that's the part that's really tough. Yeah. It's finding that fine balance of documentation that to your point, make sure everybody's on the same page. They have the information they need to be successful versus over delivering, spending way too much time on a presentation that looks pretty, you know, spells out the entire strategy for leadership, but it took you three days or a week or, or two weeks to put together, which you could have spent that other two weeks kind of doing the work, right? That's the whole gist of today's topic and kind of that inspiration, right? Strategy is overrated. Doing stuff is underrated, right? It's about really doing that fine balancing act. So yeah. No, and I think like the thing that's like if everybody's aligned on goals, everybody's moving in the right direction. Yeah. 
there's a, there's a couple of underlying things there and I don't want to kind of go off on a tangent here, but things like campaign briefs, things like that are super important because it's going to involve multiple stakeholders. It's going to involve not just stakeholders within the marketing team, but also sales, possibly customer success. If it's like an upsell initiative, like there's those levels of documentation that I think are still very important. It's a matter of how much time you're spending on them and the level of perfection that you're trying to make out of it versus like, this is the bare bones information that's necessary. Again, that MVP mindset that we've talked about a little bit, you know, in past episodes and like, let's just go do it. We'll, we'll, we'll get this going and then we're going to test. We're going to iterate out of that, but let's get it going rather than looking for per, per, per perfection because it's just a pipe dream. Yeah, for sure. I mean, let's talk about, I guess let's dive in now. Like what, what, companies can focus on, what brands can focus on to actually get things started in an effective manner. Uh, I know one of the core things that, you know, I'll have you dive in here in a second is just alignment on goals and KPIs, essentially having those broad goals in place and indicating exactly how we're going to measure against that. Um, so obviously that's very vague. And I feel like the most basic thing that anybody could ever say, like, Hey, let's make sure that we're aligned on the goals. What does that actually mean? Yeah, it goes up to top line business goals to start with and brand and broad brand goals. Are we focused on driving net new recurring revenue as a brand? Are we looking to reduce churn? Are we looking to increase our marketing dollar efficiency, you know, reduce cost of acquiring customers? Uh, increasing brand or product awareness. I know those are kind of a lot in kind of marketing speak, but at the business level, obviously everybody's looking to drive new revenue or they should be, you know, even if it's at this point kind of preserving revenue, you got to still be driving net new revenue. So what does that actually boil down to then, right? What are those leading indicators as it relates to what each of those competing initiatives or overall initiatives, you know, might have? And really it's depending on that goal. There's, there's no doubt about it. It's really dependent on the goal. But I think one of the most basic things that I can say is when you actually start to execute and you start to talk about, you know, how you're going to be measuring success with leadership, avoid channel level KPIs and channel level indicators. Why? Because you're going to become so fixated with channel level data and insights, and you're going to lose sight of what that broad goal is. Right, what that top line business impact you're tasked with is going to be. And we see this all the time. I mean, James, you you see it in those planning conversations, for example, or just outside of that, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to look at attribution by channel because they want to I mean, it really comes down to I don't want to go off on a big tangent here, but like Yeah, but it's more than attribution though, too. It's more than attribution. Yeah, but that, I mean, I think that that's what they're looking at it for, right? They want to know this channel and this campaign drove XYZ versus, you know, marketing being a much larger view of, like, there's brand advertising, there's performance advertising, there's lead gen, like, it's there's a, a large spectrum, and they want to know how each individual touch point contributes to revenue because they know how much that they pay for each individual. So they want to see the ROI on that versus, you know, the, the thing that should be looked at at the business level. And we'll kind of talk about how to work backwards in our, in your reporting from here, but at the business level, it's how much are we spending 
versus how much revenue are we making? Like, are things moving in the right direction? Yeah, this is something that everybody said at this point, but like attribution only becomes a thing if you're not hitting your targets. And I just think that if you dive, like when they dive in platform, channel, campaign specific, it's almost like there's this understanding that everything is equal and it's not equal and it's how they work together. And that's the big piece that's missing. And I only kind of jumped in there to say it's more than attribution because it's the other things too. It's the, Hey, what search copy is performing best or what creative is performing best on Facebook? Are those really that insightful that they're going to drive a huge impact for the effort it takes to pull the data? No. And I think that's, that's the vent at the end of the day here is when we such as the agency here, or even the individuals on your own internal team are tasked with reporting out on those minutia of details. What you, you lose sight of what that bigger picture goal is. Are we driving revenue? Are we successful in going to market with our new product? Are we successful in reducing churn? Are we successful in increasing the efficiency of our marketing dollars? You don't get that out of those insights. Those insights are purely based off of the need for more information that just doesn't get distilled or boiled up to a larger brand and business insight. Yeah. I think a lot of that comes though from, you know, agencies, junior level employees, not understanding like the, the whole full business picture. Right. So like when I always say, and like when there's something wrong in advertising, the first thing that I always look at is like the audience. The reason I look at the audience is because typically it's more about product market fit than it is about messaging because the message testing is like, and don't get me wrong. Like there, there's good messaging and there's bad messaging and it makes sense to test those things, but it's, is our product fit for the people that we're targeting is the, and then it goes, is the content that we're serving them? Like, do they actually like it? Those are like the four things that, you need to look at when, but it, it, again, how does it boil up to the big picture? It's a product market fit thing. Like what does the C-suite care about? Hey, like our message isn't resonating with these people because maybe they're just not interested in what we do. Maybe we need to make a shift on the product. Maybe we need, like there's a lot of different things that, let me just say like, it's not always marketing's fault that something doesn't work out. Yeah. And to that point, I mean, there's a couple of leading indicators from a marketing perspective, but also sales perspective that I think are important. And they kind of boil up to what you were just describing as far as, you know, is my targeting good? Because that's such a struggle that we see with B2B brands that we are talking to as potential customers. But those leading, those leading indicators come back to quality, quality of impressions, right? Things like looking at the demographic reports on LinkedIn, if that's where you're running ads, uh, quality of traffic, quality of traffic to the site specifically. Is it in line with your ICP and who you are actively trying to acquire as a new customer? I mean, one of the most basic things you can do is sign up for a Clearbit trial, throw the pixel on your site, and at least get some free data about who is visiting the site. Now, maybe you have a more robust tool. Maybe you have Zoom Info and you're using that for sales and you can get their web, web insights on there. Uh, and it's a little bit more powerful than, you know, just a freebie. But you know, don't be afraid to to get down and dirty and go for something quick and easy to to get some initial insights there. And then the third piece of that is quality of conversations. 
I don't like to define that as leads or like meetings booked or scheduled because then you start to get into a little bit uh, more tactical and more channel based in some cases, but rather, you know, what are the quality of the conversations happening on social dark social uh, obviously within sales conversations, but also customer success. Are people resonating with what you're pushing out there? Are they identifying with the messaging that you're putting out there and the value props that you have in your marketing messaging? Um, and the other piece of wanting to avoid looking at that through the context of meetings booked and scheduled at the beginning of the year is because it's so dependent on two major things. One, your sales cycle length, and two, what you did or didn't do in the tail end of 2022 that's going to impact whether you're going to get out of the gate strong or not uh, come 2023. So kind of jumping off of that then, James, you know, when we talk about, to your point, attribution before, but just overall measurement, you know, how do we kind of understand the trickle down of measurement and how to report up to that when it comes to those larger goals? Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, and I, th- I actually think this is a somewhat controversial topic, too. Um, so, obviously, well, I'll start with the main point of controversy is that I personally believe that everybody is responsible for revenue in one way, shape, or form. I think branding campaigns are responsible for revenue. I think performance marketing campaigns are should be focused on revenue. Basically, every, every touch point is just about how essentially how they get to that revenue, the time period, if is it short-term, is it long-term? Um, but the other thing that I think also is pretty controversial is like, so, okay, so everybody has the common goal of revenue. I don't think every department, every like campaign needs a revenue target necessarily, but you definitely need to work backwards for your goals of how eventually is that going to lead to revenue? So when I say like working backwards, I, I'm sure everybody has seen like this some this level of reporting where you know you have tons of complex campaigns and you're asked to kind of boil it down to one single slide for leadership to look at. And really, what that what you end up doing is this process exactly. So when you work backwards from revenue, it's like okay, so how are we going to how is this campaign going to drive revenue? So starting backward, starting and working yourself backwards, there's revenue, which comes from whether it's e-commerce, leads, sales, whatever it may be, to, you know, what's your close rate? How many SQOs do I need to drive? How much traffic do I need to drive to the website in order to get those sales qualified opportunities? How many eyeballs do I need to get in front of in order to get that traffic? What is our total attainable market? that we can actually serve? How many eyeballs can we actually get in front of to then drive traffic, which is then going to go to the website and hopefully drive some sort of lead? So you you really have to work backwards through the entire process. And the way that you work backwards for each campaign initiative, like it's going to fit in different areas. So like more on the branding side, it's understanding what your total attainable market is, understanding how many people we need to get our messaging in front of and making sure that our messaging resonates with those people. Um, When it comes to further on in the sales process, you know, you may have campaigns that are focused on, uh, I'll just say like bottom of the funnel content just to keep it pretty basic. But in this case, you're, you know, on the brand side, you're more focused on 
inspiration and awareness, and now you're focused more on conversion and justification. So being un- understand how many people do we need to get in order to engage with this content to kind of move your way down the funnel. So I think the, the area of controversy here is that it doesn't really work like that at the end of the day. Um, like it's not, hey, if we drive a thousand more visits to the website per week, then we're going to get this many more leads. That's going to result in this because there's the underlying problem of quality. But I think when it comes to like making projections, it's, it's really about placing bets. And I think when you like, you have to be able to work backwards and report metrics up to kind of see how that relates to revenue. So if you're working backwards and placing those bets, that's like, that's how you're going to develop your targets. There's really no other way about it. I think you have to make some assumptions around quality of traffic, making sure that you're in front of the right people. Like there's certainly some bets that you need to place along the way. And those should be based off of historical performance, but ultimately to kind of sum that up, like you have to know where this tactic fits within the bigger picture and in the long way or the short way, how it can be tied back to revenue, whether it's long-term or short-term. So something you mentioned in there about kind of that working backwards. So kind of starting from top going all the way down, we have TAM, eyeballs, traffic, SQOs, close rate, and revenue. I think the important thing here is you're talking about the brand campaign and initiatives, not trying to look at uh, those initiatives through the lens of that uh, sequence being linear. For example, there, when you launch a brand initiative, you are likely and hopefully going to have multiple prongs out there as part of that initiative. Some are going to lead people directly to the website. Others will not. Some initiatives and activities are inherently more about direct traffic and those that are such as audio, CTV, uh, any kind of thought leadership aspect of things happening on dark social. Those are less about uh, driving traffic to the site and more about the branding that exists that you want to be promoting. And where I'm going with this is what I said before about avoiding those channel level KPIs. When we avoid those channel level KPIs, we are looking at all of those prongs in a holistic manner and therefore then looking at any incremental lift in traffic as a result of the halo effect of those efforts in combination and in aggregation rather than in isolation. Because if you're out there and you're podcasting such as we are, or you're you know involved in private communities, or you have your SDRs out there pushing things on social, uh, but not necessarily you know blog posts and things like that, those are not going to drive direct revenue. Going back to what you were saying, James, about attribution. We talk about attribution in the lens of business results, revenue, leads, and things like that all the time. But it also comes back to attribution when it looks at site traffic and those other higher level, higher funnel uh, KPIs as well. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're talking about attribution, though, because like you have to like your branding activities should lead to revenue. Like there's Correct. no. Correct. It's it's about will you see channel level attribution of that revenue to those branding activities? Absolutely not. Um, exactly. At least in a 
profitable view, right? Because this is something that is affecting things from, you know, first touch all the way to last touch. And you just, you're never going to see the the true value. Um, I mean, one thing I will add here is I think it is helpful to group initiatives together based on goals when it comes to reporting. So, I mean, a podcast for like, we'll talk about just some top of funnel activities, podcast, a blog, you know, it's about impressions and getting in front of the right people. Like you could even have like your, you know, content promotion campaigns and paid media grouped into the same thing because it's about crafting a messaging and delivering it to people as a first touch awareness initiative. So you can group all of your awareness and awareness initiatives together and measure them in the same way. You can take all of your conversion initiatives, lump them together and measure them in the same way. Um, so in this, in this scenario, you're not, it's easy to report up because it's like, Hey, our brand initiatives are driving this, our demand initiatives are driving this, our conversion initiatives are driving this. Um, but also, you know, you have flexibility and it's not channel specific stuff at the end of the day. Yeah. And to that end, when we talk about reporting up, I think also the fact of pulling that reporting can be a complete time suck. And when we talked about before, when we're talking about like developing a strategy deck that takes two weeks and losing time on actually doing stuff, the same can be said about reporting. So one of the other things that we should think about upfront uh, in that that workshop in that kickoff mentality is how do we create dashboards? How do we create these ways to pull the data that we need to report up, but also internalize for insights, analysis, and, and pivots in a recurring basis that isn't going to create more work for ourselves. We have things like, you know, if it's Google data studio or looker or whatever it's called now, if it's more of a, a tool that we have used before, like funnel.io or an internal tool, Things like Marketo, Eloqua, HubSpot. How do we create those foundations in the early stages of 23 or beforehand so we're not spending time doing that as we're trying to make campaigns go live and making things happen? And that also goes back to what I was saying before with roles and responsibilities. If those, if that ownership of uh, reporting and analytics lies outside of marketing or your purview, you know whether it's ops, uh, rev ops, uh, IT, things like that, like get those folks in the room, get them part of that stakeholder conversation because they are an integral part to the success of the brand. I, I nailed that one. I, I can't tell you how many companies I've seen just waste way too much time on reporting. I mean, like daily reporting for some B2B companies. Like you have a sales cycle of 90 days and you want daily reporting of leads, revenue, whatever. Right. And like getting emails over the weekend. Oh, how many, we, how can we get a drop off of leads on the weekend? I'm like, why are you even looking at like what happened over the weekend? Like, this is a, this is a B2B SaaS product. Everybody was having fun with their families. Like this is not, um, and it, again, that, I think that that comes from poor leadership. I'll even like call them out. Like that's, that's, it should just never operate like that. Exactly. Exactly. So, I think the last thing when we talk about uh, that resolution and action items, you know, when it comes to properly implementing and having a great start to, to 2023 is something that you mentioned before, James, and we talked about a little bit is prioritizing that effort versus impact mentality 
but also creating you know parallel workflows wherever we can. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, it's make your bets is really what it is. Um, you know, there's, I think that that's like, I think one of the fun things about marketing is that there's like a little bit of gambling involved, right? Like, and let me put it this way. It's like gambling with data, right? It's, um, I, I can compare it to betting on sports teams, right? A really good sports team. You have a good chance. You have, like, if you pick, you know, okay, this team is 10 and 0 and they're playing a team that's one in 10. I think I'm going to favor the team that's 10 and 0 in this bet, right? So there's, there's like data behind it that allows you to, um, call essentially call your shots, but you have to look this, it all comes from historical performance. What do you think is going to drive the biggest impact in, I don't want to say necessarily the least amount of time, but what, what do you need to get started on first? Because it's going to create the largest impact. Um, and I think it's okay to take everything out and, you know, do a scale of like one to 10. What is the effort that this is going to take versus what is the impact that it's going to have? Um, and that's where I think it's, it, that's really what defines what your strategy is at the end of the day too. There's some things that can make a quicker impact like paid search, paid advertising in general is going to have a quicker impact than your content strategy. So, but content strategy is going to have probably a better long-term effect than paid media. So, you know, once you kind of scale everything out, make your bets, scale one to 10 for effort, one to 10 for impact, lay that all on the line. That's going to tell you what you should start first. Yeah. So we talked before, or you mentioned before about, you know, death by documentation. I think one of the documents uh, that we use internally with our clients that is important is twofold. We have an action plan that helps define kind of what are those major items that are being worked on and where are we going Again, avoiding the nitty gritty details, right? That's that's best served for a sauna task, things like that. But what are the the bigger pieces of uh, of the action plan looking like? And then also related to that, we do kind of an effort versus impact breakdown of things too. Like, what are the tasks? What are those activities that are gonna require a lot more time, but they're gonna have a much larger impact than you know checking the box and, and crossing these five things off. So I think to that end, you know, there's a couple of things that are worth consideration when we talk about effort versus impact in my mind. Uh, the one is as an individual, you know, what work is dependent on my input? How do I create parallel workflows, but also how do I move work throughout the team without creating bottlenecks because, you know, I'm out of on vacation or I just really don't need to be involved in, in this piece of the process. Uh, a great book for anybody out there that hasn't read it yet is The Goal. The Goal talks about, in manufacturing terms, how do we move throughput through the organization, right? How do we move things along the assembly line? How do we reduce bottlenecks? How do we create more output, right, more throughput? And the same mentality should be applied to your marketing team. How do I remove bottlenecks? How do I give somebody the input that they need so that they can go do their job while I am now working on something else. Again, parallel workflows. The yeah, other, God, God, I was going to say, in order to have parallel workflows, you need trust and ownership across it. Like leadership needs to trust. If you're on the project, you need to take ownership. It really comes down to those two things. And then and if everybody can work in parallel paths. 
Yeah, exactly. And another consideration goes back to what I was saying about action plans. Like what work is part of the action plan, but more time consuming than what it's worth. In our experience, we've seen this be a problem with technical SEO implementations. You know, yes, do we want the foundation as strong as possible? Absolutely. Do we want to check everything off the box as much as possible? Absolutely. But it gets to a point where you're just banging your head against the wall because dev doesn't know how to implement it or it involves five other stakeholders. And at the end of the day, just checking the box is not worth the time being sacrificed on that one item because the actual impact is so minimal. And you can look at that same concept across anything else in your marketing strategy. So when we're talking about action plans and priority prioritization of effort versus impact, I mean, that's a great example, but you can absolutely look for other areas in your own marketing plan that fall within that same uh, mindset. The last thing I want to say here too is creating a strategy and really an execution that focuses as much as possible on rolling launches, rolling iterations, rather than this complex interdependent strategy that requires everything from five landing pages to five email sequences, all of the journey mapping living on top of that. Look, is that stuff important? Yeah, it is important, but it shouldn't come at the point of sacrificing actually going to market, actually getting campaigns running. We had talked about this in a previous podcast, James, about creative testing and you know perfection, statistical significance being pipe dreams, but also uh, not letting that idea of perfection holding you back because you don't know what's gonna work until it's actually out in the wild. You have some hunches, you have some hypothesis, but you just don't know what's gonna work. So why are you gonna spend your time looking for perfection in developing this interdependent complex journey mapping campaign when you just don't know what's gonna work yet? Go to market, get it out of the gates faster, um, and, and really have that going as much as possible. Yeah, definitely on that one. I mean, an iterative approach is key to success because I hate to tell everybody here, but that massive plan that you put together at the end of this year, it's not going to go as planned. <laughs> it's thing you're going to, one of the things that you were banking on, one of the things you were betting on is not going to work. You're going to have to shift. You're going to have to change. And that, that has to happen as you go, not Q4 next year, looking back at the entire year saying, oh, the bets I placed are a little bit wrong, right? It's, it's definitely important to be iterative. And to that point, I mentioned before about a kickoff workshop for 23. Those workshops should actually be happening at least quarterly, if not monthly. It ensures everybody continues to be aligned, but it also ensures that the plan that you develop that's not going to actually happen to completion or perfection has the right pivot points and the right delegation of responsibilities. And everybody's aligned in those pivots. And you're not playing whispering down the alley of, oh, hey, I heard that, you know, we're changing this campaign tactic because of this. Like, no, you were, everybody's in the room. Everybody knows that, hey, we wanted to do this, but it's just not going to happen. So we're going to do this instead. And here's how we're going to go about doing that. That's why those ongoing workshops are so important. It keeps everyone aligned, everybody on target, everybody moving forward. Because like you said, James, the purpose of marketing and really the purpose of a business is to drive revenue. Absolutely. 
So, I mean, kind of to, to close this out and something it's up a little bit, there's a lot of struggles that we have getting started. Effort versus impact, perfection versus functional, balancing egos within the organization. But I think we really have to remember one thing, right? If, if we spend too much time planning and not enough time doing, then, you know, nothing's ever going to get done, right? Um, if you never make the thing, nobody's ever going to see it. Yeah. I think a great way to kind of articulate in like a TLDR fashion is strategy grounds us, execution moves us forward. So, Absolutely. so on that note, James, any closing thoughts on today's topic? I'm good. All right. I think this is one of our better episodes. We kept it short and sweet, hopefully to the point, but uh, hopefully everybody got some value out of it. And uh, you know, if, uh, if you're so willing, like, subscribe, connect with us on social. We're always happy to, to network with our fellow peers and, and fellow business people out there. Um, and until next time, we'll, uh, we'll catch you later. All right, see ya. Thanks for listening to Digital Banter. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are uploaded every Friday.